This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeltsin, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep, deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. All right, John, I've got about, uh, I don't know, about six, seven, maybe eight mailbag questions. You want to hit these? Let's do it. Let's do it. We do the mailbag every Tuesday. You can email us at mailbag at gmail.com, mailbag at gmail.com if you want us to answer your mailbag questions next week. If we don't get to yours, just know that sometimes we do keep some in the holster if they're a little bit more applicable for future episodes or maybe even the offseason as well. Um, here we go. JR and Spicewood, our guy from Spicewood uh, emailing in again. Love the show. Tough loss Sunday on multiple fronts with CJ most likely being out this week and the Texans still in the playoff hunt. Should D'Amico start case this week against the Titans? I think he gives us a better shot at winning over Mills. Thoughts? John, you said earlier on the podcast that the Texans will start Davis Mills, and I expect them to as well. I don't expect the team to have a guy second string all year, and then they flip it all of a sudden in a, in a week 15 game. But could you make a – no pun intended could, – could you make a case for Case to be the starting quarterback this weekend? Absolutely not. He hadn't played all year. He's been third team all year. Mills beat the Titans in Tennessee last year. He had the best game of his career against the Titans in a three-point loss. Here, when the Titans were the best team in the AFC, needing that victory to clinch home field advantage in the playoffs. He's 4-1 on the road in the AFC South. So if they lose this game, it's not going to be because it was too big for him. They're going to lose because he played bad, couldn't run the ball, turnovers, bad defense, all could be all the above. But I think uh, Mills is the one because he's been doing all the work uh, in practice with scouting. Now, Case will do that because Case had not been able to do anything like that since training camp. I think it's fair to assume that we're going to get a different version of Davis Mills than we got with Pep Hamilton running the offense, you know, that he's had a chance to be incorporated or at least study and practice in this system uh, for, you know, a full offseason and now the, you know, 14 games or whatever it is, 14 weeks 
of of this season. The one thing I'll say that concerns me, I mean, you said the moment won't be too big for him. I'm not so sure. Like this is this is by far the most important football game that Davis Mills has played in probably since high school. I don't know. I'm assuming these guys, all these quarterbacks that are all, you know, get drafted in the NFL, all seemingly played on state championship teams back in the day when they were, when they were younger. Davis Mills is from Georgia. Um, I'm get, John, he played in no important games in college. He started 11 games at Stanford. He's played no important games at the NFL level because the Texans have been completely off the map. That is a concern of mine, actually. Like this is a, a fairly big moment. This, I mean, this is a, the Texans themselves said it. These are playoff games the rest of the way for them. So he's a good customer. Okay. I know he's calm. Uh, that is true. But uh, yeah, Case um, Case has seen a lot of stuff. But I, I, it's going to be Mills. So there's no real reason to kind of do the tail of the tape between both guys. Um, all right. Steven in League City, John, with the longstanding run blocking issues that the Texans have had this season, what can they do to fix it for next season? Do they need to replace players, new coaching? Thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. Um, it won't surprise like- me at all if Chris Strasser yeah. is gone. They, they've had like four or five line coaches each year. Every one of them's a one and done. But somebody's got to pay for how bad they are in run blocking. And Damian Pierce goes from a player that would have been a 12 to 1,300-yard rusher in the previous system to a guy who's almost non-existent. He is, has the worst run success rate and low, an average per carry of any back with a hundred yards with a hundred carries. Carries, I don't know why they keep giving him the ball. It's like you just tell him to hit a brick wall and keep doing it. At least Singletary's had some gains, even if they're 16 and 17 yard gains in obvious passing situations, but those guys are getting hit in the backfield. They're getting Mm -hmm. hit at the line of scrimmage. The linemen just haven't figured it out and somebody's got to pay for that hanging. And it's usually a coach. Yeah, four, Chris Strauser probably has four weeks to save his job, and I don't know. He may be a good offensive line coach. He had some good lines in, in Indianapolis. Of course, he had really good material to work with on those lines as well, multiple first-round picks and things like that. He's got multiple first-round picks on this offensive line, high picks. Been a lot of injuries, so I give him the, 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 I give him the mulligan or the you know I caveat my assessment of him with that. To me, more than anything else, however he's been as a coach this year, is that they've got to do something, and they're committed to all these players. Like It's it's very expensive to extract themselves from any of the guys they gave long-term extensions to. They've got a lot of draft capital invested again. They're not going to start cutting Juice Scruggs uh, or Kenyon Green when he comes back um, because the, the team can't run the football. Like And they're not firing Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick has overall done a good job this year, but the run game's a disaster. Um, I just hope Chris Strauser is renting, not owning here in Houston, because I think you're right. I think he could be the, the sacrifice bunt, as they like to say on the Sopranos. Good line. Yep. All right. Next one, John. Uh, pr- appreciate the uh, email, Stephen. Uh, Dave Howard, Dave and Round Rock. In 2011, the Texans had their best overall team. The offensive line was left to right. Dwayne Brown, Wade Smith, Chris Myers, Mike Brizell, and Eric Winston. After that season, Rick Smith allowed Brizell and Winston to leave in free agency. Actually, real quick, they cut Winston for cap purposes, just for point of factual uh, stuff there. Um, continuing, since then, the O-line has never been the same. I feel it's a curse. What do you suggest the Texans and their fans do? Wear amulets, bathe in magic herbs, light candles, and burn incense during games. Oh, what sports gurus do you suggest? John, do you have anything in particular that you would do, like in terms of a good luck charm or some sort of, um, 
you know, some some sort of artifact that we could use here to try to get some good mojo going for the Texans offensive line again? Is there anything that you use for that sort of thing? I noticed a Miami game Monday night, Kendall Lamb was starting left tackle, I believe. Yeah. And in 2018, <laughs> their left tackle was Julian Davenport. And they were 12, what were they, 11 and 5. Yeah. And so the the year before, Brandon Brooks was, or the year after, Brandon Brooks was the right guard and the right tackle was uh, uh, Newton. And those guys missed one game. As in the starting line, missed one game when Brandon Brooks got ill in Buffalo. And so you'd love to have that kind of stability, which they have not had. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest problem with the offseason not letting players hit and put on pads are offensive lines, and that's one reason quarterbacks are getting hurt because they're getting hit too much. And it may not be a pounding illegally, but just hit too much. And anyway, no, of course not. Voodoo maybe. Uh, yeah. All of all of Dave's uh, suggestions sound good, and I'm sure the Texans are willing to try anything. If it helps them run the ball better. Yes, yes. Uh, I'll I'll do anything at this point for sure. Um, appreciate the email as always, Dave. Joe Q, another frequent emailer to the show. Why aren't the Vikings or Browns coach coaches the runaway choice for coach of the year? Cleveland has won games with four different QBs. Minnesota has a puncher's chance to win the division after losing Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins. They both have games with Detroit remaining. Um John, that's an interesting one. By the way, D'Amico Ryans is now the leader. Ironically, after losing to the Jets, D'Amico is the leader on the odds board for Coach of the Year because Dan Campbell got bumped so far down that D'Amico, D'Amico just stayed the same. He's three to one. He was three to one last week, three to one this week. Um, but uh, Cleveland and Minnesota, Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. What are your thoughts on the jobs those two guys have done so far Kevin this year? Kevin Stefanski's got the NFL's best defense. He has done a fabulous job. And uh, what was O'Connell's record last year? 12 and five, something like 13 that. 13 and four. 13, 13 and four. And four. You don't go from 13 to four to coaching the coach of the year. And they've overcome injuries too. But I'm trying to figure out who it would be because it was. Dan Campbell, Mike McDaniel, and D'Amico Ryans. Now McDaniel and Campbell are out of the running. Shane Steichen's in there. But when you talk about guys having to use multiple quarterbacks and they stay in the race or they win a division, that is pretty amazing. But no team has come farther than the Texans have to this point based on how bad they've been and how bad everyone predicted they would be. Yeah. Um, John. It might be Mike McCarthy. Like Mike McCarthy. They were 12 they're 10 and 4. They were 12 and 5 last year. No, I get it. I, I mean, it's you the, the rule you're applying is there needs to be some sort of like imp- you're you're almost grading it like most improved coach in some year. ways. Yeah. I well, if the Cowboys run the table and go 14 and 3 and they'll have beaten, they'll have destroyed the Eagles in the process. Um, you don't think Mike McCarthy because there's not if they do that, Mike would have a great chance to, to win it. If yeah. indeed you think they're going to run the table. Yeah, that's that's my point. I'm not, I mean, if he finishes with the same record as last year, I'm with you. Like, but if they run the table and John, they have the best point differential in all of football. So they're 10 and three. A lot of other teams are 10 and three. I think 10 and three is the best record in the league right now across, you know, if there's five or six teams that have that record, but the Cowboys have been dominant. They're they're plus 188 on point differential, and that includes a 32 point loss. <laughs> I mean, they've been killing teams lately. And you know what? He's had the same quarterback the whole time. That helps. I mean, look, Dak like, like yeah. Prescott's going to be the MVP if they do that. 
I think so too. Um, I was sad to see Tyreek Hill get that ankle injury because Tyreek Hill, to me, like that's the one. I'm not a huge Tyreek Hill fan, but I've said for years now he's the most valuable non-quarterback in all of football, and I think that's been borne out with Kansas City and with Miami here. And I think just with no quarterbacks until Dak the last month or so really kind of separating themselves, this felt like a year that might be ripe for somebody who's not a quarterback to at least get their name into the conversation, especially because now instead of just voting for one name, guys vote for one through five. And I can see where Tyreek Hill might not be first on a lot of ballots, but he might be second or third and like in that mid range and rack up some points. I think, I think Tyreek Hill has a great case to be MVP of the league this year. Yeah. I think he'll probably be fourth or fifth somewhere in there. Yeah. And he'll probably be offensive player of the year. I mean, that seems like that's the that, category for a guy like that. Yeah. That seems when voters rules. go MVP and offensive player of the year for both. That's yeah. not why the categories were created. It was created for a guy that came close to winning MVP or was an outstanding offensive player who didn't win it, and that would be perfect for Tyreek Hill. All right, let's do a few more here, John. This is from Charles Honeycutt. For real or Fugazi, the NFL will one day force the Giants slash Jets to update their field based on key players getting injured at MetLife Stadium. Players get injured all over the football, all over the NFL, not just there. We saw Dobbins blood his knee in the first game on a perfect grass field in Baltimore, which nobody ever brings up because it doesn't fit their agenda. But, yeah, players get hurt every stadium every every week. All right. He said for real or Fugazi, John. So that sounds like it's a Fugazi. Fugazi. Thank you. All right. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I think if, if that were to happen, it would be part of a broader league movement to just switch everything to grass, you know, which is what the players want. Um, I don't think they would target specific stadiums uh, to to change things to change things out. Um, uh, what, Charles. What's bad about that, Sean, is they're going to do it for the World Cup. Yeah, and they say it's too expensive. We know the NFL owners are poorhouse, knocking oh, on the yeah. door of the poorhouse, and they certainly couldn't do anything for the players that would cost them more money. Right. Uh, two more, John, Jimmy, and Tom Ball. Where do you guys come out on the Chiefs' anger over the? Kadarius Tony offensive offside. Some might say the Chiefs are whining over the end of their loss to the Bills. John, what are your thoughts on uh, Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and their act on Sunday? That was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. He was clearly blatantly offsides. Shut up and play. Shut up and lose. Now, he apologized because it was so out of character. Maybe he finally saw the pictures. Tony is a moron. That's the guy they should have been blasting. Andy Reid quieted down too. They were just frustrated because they've lost a bunch of games. Yeah. They're not dominant, and it looks like they're not going to get home field advantage for the first time in Mahomes' career. Yep, yeah. When you say he, you're talking about Mahomes, and I think that was on our uh, sister station in Kansas City uh, earlier today, Carrington Harrison's show, either yesterday or today. I, John, I heard his apology. He was by and large apologizing for how he acted with Josh Allen in the middle of the field as opposed to apologizing for taking the referees to task. I thought his apology kind of sucked. If you he want might to know have the truth. Out of himself. He did. Well, and it doesn't help that he sounds like Kermit the Frog when he's yelling either. It's just <laughs> – and, and by the way, like – I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There's three things about this that piss me off. Let me just say this. Three things. One, you pointed it out. It's Kadarius Tony. When you sign up for this, when you... you, uh, trade for Kadarius Tony, you sign up for his dumbassery. So when he's a dumbass, you can't go complaining that the officials, it's the officials' fault that he's being a dumbass. That's number one. Number two, the, the refereeing is bad across the league right now. That's a huge storyline going on in the NFL, how bad the officiating is. We know, John, we, the Texans, and the media covering them like us and fans have been victim of that in a couple very recent games. That Jacksonville game, the officiating was terrible. Um, the call of the forward progress on Samaje Pirine in the Denver game that, that, that nullified a touchdown by Desmond King that would have effectively ended that game. Horrible, horrible call. The Chiefs, by and large, get the benefit of a ton of calls because of the Kansas City Chiefs. Cool. I'm not going to let Pat Mahomes climb on our cause like he's like he's some sort of victim here as well i feel like he's he's this wave of anti-officiating going on you can't get on our bandwagon patrick mahomes you're not a victim we are victims you're not a victim you can't climb on the third thing james bradbury's holding call in the super bowl which was as ticky tack as it gets go back and watch it you know who's pointing saying there should be a flag right there on that holding call pointing basically celebrating the holding call Pat Mahomes, and that was dumb because part of his whole reason for why he was so mad was he's like, well, it's just I hate that uh, I hate that Travis Kelsey is, is going to have this moment. He's a, he, he, this is a moment was going to go on his Hall of Fame film, and I just I, I can't believe that they would do Travis Kelsey like that. And if you're if you're <laughs> trying to be good. this protector of the realm of Canton and football then you, instead of congratulating all your teammates and accepting the Lombardi trophy when Terry Bradshaw handed it to you, when Terry Bradshaw was like, Pat, what do you feel about the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl? And Pat Mahomes was like, I just want to say my teammates are amazing and this feels so good. I got to tell you, the first thing you should have said was, well, Terry, really, the real, the real thing that happened out there was James Bradbury got victimized and that's really bad for the game. So I'm going to give this trophy back and we're going to declare this game a tie if that's okay with you, all right? Um, that's what Mahomes should have done. So I'm mad. I'm hopping mad, just like Kermit the Frog. Okay, well, I got something that's going to make you happy. That's enough enough on the mailbag. What would Lou Holtz say today when he found out Riley Leonard had left Duke to be the starting quarterback of the Fighting Irish? Well, listen, John McClain, you're a Hall of Famer. I like that you ask me these questions because, as you know, Ryan Day knows I still have opinions on things. I called Ohio State soft this year, and Ryan Day went apoplectic. So I would say Riley Leonard made a good decision. He came, and he saw the lady on the dome, and he said, you know what? I was at Duke. Duke is where wormy rat-faced coaches are. I will come to the lady on the dome where the most legendary coaches are people like, well, me, quite frankly. And you see the love and the trust and the commitment and the belief in one another. Riley Leonard knows if you're going to win national championship, he's making a 40-year decision, not a four-year decision, or really like a four-month decision because he's one of those transfer portals. I, I don't know how we're done with that transfer portal back in the day. I, it is, I, I, w- I would have had a hard time just staring, trying to sell these kids on staying in school. 
Thank you, Lou. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, do I have John? I got to ask you this one. This is from Dominic in Upper Kirby. Last one, I promise. Um, where does Tommy DeVito's agent rank for you guys in unique agent looks or mannerisms? Did you see this guy last uh, of night? Of course. I've never, how can you not? The guy's all over the internet, TV. He is famous. He's a genius. They've, He's had a him, genius. they've had him on talk shows in New York. They've had him on TV. Looks like straight out of the Sopranos. I think he's great. Yeah. Him and the family, they're getting so much attention. They're the three highest ratings quarterbacks this year. Number one, Brock Purdy. And number two, is Tommy DeVito. Isn't that unbelievable? Like, what world are we living in right now? It's incredible. Tommy um, DeVito and, and, uh, Jake Browning, two of the greatest success stories in the NFL. Let's see. Dude, I mean, John, you're kind, you're kind of touching on, though, this is, uh, look, to put a bow on this episode, and we'll talk about this more on Thursday, like that's, the Texans are being asked to do something, at least for one week, that a lot of other teams have had to do. More, than, more teams than normal have had to do in the NFL this year. Cleveland's had to do it with four different guys. Jake Browning's won a couple games in Cincinnati. Tommy DeVito's won a few games. In New York, I, if I rack my Josh Dobbs in Minnesota, the first two weeks he's there, he wins a couple games. He doesn't even know the playbook, and he's winning games. Um, it's not like that we're sending Davis Mills to Baltimore to go win a game in December. You're going to Tennessee. I, I know they just beat the Dolphins, but maybe they're feeling themselves a little bit right now, and you catch them a little let down off guard here. So, I and I know D'Amico Ryans isn't complaining about it. Of all people, D'Amico's like, hey, man, it's the NFL. This is what you got to go do. Um, but yeah, I, like the, there's, there's no excuses for the Texans really. Like I, CJ Stroud being out sucks. You, if you're a playoff team, you should still be able to go to Tennessee and find a way to win with Davis Mills. Your quarterback. Absolutely.